story. This is a fact. This is new to me. I had no idea. Uh, some of you probably did know this. We but, do facts here? I don't know we do facts here. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't check everything because, you know, that's, uh, that's we get in trouble. So welcome back to the podcast. Uh, we are recording this on Halloween morning, and I can't think of anything more scary than to be with these two guys right now. <laughs> I am John. I'm here with Tom, and Brad is back with us. Brad, it's been a while. Uh, we thought it was something Tom said, not anything I said. It would always be Tom. Um, something Tom said that just, that was it. You were out of here. And yeah, uh, nope, nope, nope. Yeah, you're we, back. We, we back. did tell you, we forgot that you were. <laughs> oh, did we tell you that? <laughs> yeah, the first week you were gone, yeah. Tom and I get on here. We're like, where's, where's Brad? Brad? <laughs> he didn't even, he didn't say anything this morning. He just, I guess he had something better. And then we're kind of going through and it kind of just dawned on us. He he's been telling us for weeks. <laughs> he's going he's going out of the country. Yeah, yeah, man. But and we so, remember we remember that like later, not right. during the uh, during and, this. And we did confess our sins for everyone. Yes, we we, we acknowledged our mistake, and yeah, yeah. So we are resolved. Thank you very much, Brad. It is uh, glad we are glad to have you back. Uh, what you been doing, man? Traveling, dude. Traveling. I'm a traveling man. Traveling <laughs> man. I have been overseas and I have been uh, to the Southeast, the U S and then I have been to the West coast of the U S and, uh, and, and back. And so, yeah, a lot of miles, a lot of air miles, unfortunately on three different airlines, go figure. Mm. Southwest does not fly to Romania. Is that right? Yeah. I could get all kind of points if I could get them to fly to Romania. Anyway. Do you fly out of Corpus or do you drive? Oh my gosh, I fly out of Corpus anywhere, you know, and um, to go to Romania, to go anywhere from Corpus, you got to go to Houston or Dallas. That's just it, you know. You want to go to the valley, you got to go to Dallas. You know, it's just weird. That's right. Like, I don't understand that. It's like, Uh really. But no, it's fun. It was, it was good trips. Uh, Did a conference out in Nashville uh, a month ago, and then 10 days in, uh, in Romania, in the heart of Eastern Europe, and just south of Ukraine, and, uh, I, I was there. It takes two days to get over and one day to get back. I'm not sure about how that all works, but you know, there's something about time zones and what have you and datelines and travel <laughs> math. Yeah. Travel math. And I'm just not good at tra- It's not like church math, you know? Um, but anyway, it's, uh, it was fun being there seven days there actually in country and five of those seven days I preached or taught. So it was kind of fun. Right. Good deal. So, uh, so did you get back before you left? Uh, no, no, but I actually, you know, I got back on the same day that I left, even though it was 24 hours and I left at 6 AM and got back at like you know, 6 PM, 6 30 PM or something like that. It was really bizarre in our time. Um, yeah. actually, no, it was more like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night because of the six hour, eight hour difference or whatever it was. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really weird, you know, and you land, you take off in one time zone, you land in two other time zones and then you land in six other time zones and you're going like, I'm confused. Yeah. And then running through, you know, O'Hare uh, to get through customs and all that stuff. And you got to get your bag and go through, sure. declare anything and everything. And, and I declared Jesus, um, mm. but <laughs> it was, it was fun. You know, it was really good, but uh, we got home and our luggage didn't. So. Had to pick oh it up. man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
Yep. Well, I guess that's better than your luggage getting home and you didn't. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you know, just sitting there start going around. <laughs> well, somebody come get this big lug here. Yeah. <laughs> Tom, you preached yesterday. I did. I was in El Buen uh, Pastor uh, in Kingsville and had a, had a great time there. Uh, they are a lovely com- congregation, uh, small, uh, but... Uh, but God is present in in the life of small churches. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Thank God. Uh, yeah, I pre- I preached yesterday at a cemetery. Ooh, that was our worship service. Um, I told everybody this isn't like pre-church until we can get back to the sanctuary and have real church. Like this is we are worshiping here uh, as part of our 150th celebration. We kicked off. Uh, here in Corpus Christi, Old Bayview Cemetery. It's where the first uh, preacher who was here at this congregation is buried. Uh, someone who who has a, a deep history in uh, Methodism, uh, both here in the U.S. and, and in Mexico. And so it's just, just a great thing and a great way to uh, start off our, our celebration. So that was different. Um, it was cool. Like, why don't we do this so, all but, the time? So the, he's the one who was here. Uh, 150 years ago. Yes, yes. And uh, he was only here for about three weeks before he got sent to Mexico to start a a congregation over there. Mm -hmm. And then um, he had a pretty sure it was a massive heart attack and ended up being paralyzed just about. um, And then uh, I think he came back here to Corpus with his family and then he actually died. So he was only in pastoral ministry for about 18 months. Wow. But he had a big impact and uh, his, his name and his ministry uh, are important parts of um, uh, Hispanic uh, Methodist uh, culture and history. So, yeah, wow. that's and, and we're and our congregation is a part of that directly. And so it was part of something we were celebrating and giving thanks to God for. It. So it was neat. It was neat. Uh, today is Halloween. And I did not know before this you, before you do that. You said Please. his name is is important. What's his name? What was his name? I'm sorry. You guys don't know that. I thought you guys are smarter than me. I've traveled. Sorry. <laughs> Alejo Hernandez is his name. Uh, Look it up. Go. And uh, he's like I said, it's a great history. Um, great story also uh, about uh, how he came to faith and how he got into ministry. You both know being ordained is a big deal. It's a long process. Of course, things are different 150 years ago, but even for him, he his his everything people saw in him was just dynamic and on fire, all that kind of stuff. He was ordained uh, deacon one day and then they just decided to ordain him elder the next day, too. So that's what got him going. So anyway. All right. So today is Halloween. Uh, by the time you all listen and watch this, it'll be over. But I have this Halloween fact for you. This is a fact. This is new to me. I had no idea. Uh, some of you probably did know this. We but... do facts here. I don't know. We do facts. Here. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't check everything because, you know, that's uh, we're getting in trouble. Uh, John Candy was born yeah. on this day. Did you guys know that? I did not know that. No, I did not know. Wow. That. Uh, of course, I don't know anybody. It's not a John Candy that why his last name is Candy or something? Uh, and I was just thinking, I was like, how perfect is that? Really, this right? Guy, right? Yeah, that, right? That day was for uh-huh. you. That's right, um, man. Mm-hmm. Kind of like if my name was John Sunday or you know, well, yeah. something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But anyway, so there's your Halloween fact. John Candy was born on 
Halloween. Do you have a favorite John Candy movie? Oh my gosh. Oh, I like uh, Cool Runnings. Cool, cool Runnings. Runnings. Very good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I like Trains, Planes, and Automobiles. Uh huh. That was one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, as a kid watching all those movies, just one of those lines that just always <laughs> stuck with me. Even till this day, I catch myself saying it out loud or even to myself. Ooh. He'll feel that in the morning. It's just yeah. that line just stuck with me. So right. anyway. Yeah. All yeah. right. So uh today is Halloween. We're gonna talk something Halloween related a little bit. Uh, but first, have you guys noticed like how big Halloween has gotten, particularly over the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years or so? Have you guys seen this kind of explosion that's happened? Well, I I I'm I remember kind of the the sense that Halloween may almost is just about outstripping Christmas. And in a lot of ways it is in popularity and sales and just, you know, people being involved with it. It really has kind of just taken on this. I don't don't know this cultural significance. I don't remember it having when I was a kid as a kid is it's fun. You go out, you get your candy, you're looking forward to it. But I don't remember like adults um, being as involved as I feel like they are now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not not until we brought the candy home. Yeah, that's right. right. That's right. I um, need to see you, that. Free for me, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so whereas before, okay, yeah, there, I know there were Halloween parties and all that kind of stuff. But now, like Halloween is like a full season. Yeah. Yeah, that people are getting ready for and they're going all out with their costumes and the parties and the decorations at home. They last for the entire month. And I just don't remember seeing that when I was younger. Is that was that just me? No, adult costumes blow my mind, you know, that that people will do that kind of stuff. I mean, I did it yesterday for our trunk retreat at the church. But, you know, it was one of those things I just put stuff together and, and, and I bought a fake potted plant and cut it up the leaves. And I, I dressed my car up to be Jonah's whale or, or, you know, big fish. And I dressed like Jonah and stuck, you know, leaves and stuff in my clothes. Like I had just been herped up, but you know, but people go all out with these costumes. It's amazing. Yeah. Dude, really? Mm. Mm. One year I, I do, I try to do the quirky ones. So one year I put numbers all over my shirt who are you? I'm somebody you can count on. Wow. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Hanging abacus around your neck. Yeah. Uh-huh. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think kind of made that Halloween like what it is now? Like this big season for like, like adult. Of course, kids love it, but more adults are into it now. What do you think happened? Where did that shift come from? Do you know? Yeah, and honestly, I was gonna. It's the the bottom line is they someone decided this is this is a money making opportunity, honestly, and I I don't know what that shift was, but I can guarantee that this, that there was uh, some kind of um, uh, promoing and, and promotional push, and and they continue to be uh, a promotional t- push. Yeah, you watching if you're watching. Uh, football games uh, yesterday that they, you know, they were doing a lot of weird stuff with the, uh, with the, uh, with the, what is it? I can't even think of like CGI where, you know, somebody's face suddenly turns into Frankenstein and there's right. tarantula crawling on somebody else's head. And uh, 
it was it was pretty cool. I'll, I'll say that. But when when you got that in front of you all the time, then you're you know you're aware. Yeah. And then yeah, and you suddenly it's kind of like watching uh, watching those late night uh, commercials for say Taco Bell or Burger King. Suddenly you have a craving for for a uh, hamburger or nachos. It's interesting you mention all of that and the marketing stuff, because I was just thinking the other day as I was driving by McDonald's and McDonald's is not the children's restaurant it used to be. It's now marketed almost exclusively to young adults. I mean, you know, they don't even say the word McDonald's on it now. There's one up here on, on Weber and, and Staples that, that has the, the sign says Wi-Fi. And I'm going like yeah, but big, big yellow arches, but Wi-Fi. That's it. I'm going like, oh, you know, and now they're getting into the coffees and stuff like maybe it's because the generations of children that loved Halloween so much want it now as an adult. You know, they, they don't it's not that they don't want to grow up. It's that they want to they want to grow into it you know, in a new level or something like that, that there's something that draws. So it's still kind of theirs. It's still theirs, you know, and, and uh, I, I don't want to say it's selfish because it's really not. I mean, it's just being playful and having fun with that, but there's, uh, you know, when I was a kid man, you hit sixth grade, no, that's for kids. You don't do that anymore. And, you know, I, I can't believe you still want to dress up in sixth grade. I mean, well, candy, you know, it's fun. <laughs> what, dude, what do you got to get about this? You know, but um, but it seems like that's one of those things that that people kind of are still wanting to claim or maybe it's part of their childhood that they don't want to really let go of yet or want to see it in a different level or a more mature level or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe that. now they just have the money to do everything they could. <laughs> Exactly. You know, so, before, right? you know, and, 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 you know, the, the culture is marketing to that generation really, because they've got money, you know, and it's kind of wild. I don't know, I, but it has, it has exploded. I've noticed that too. I just didn't really put a whole lot of that together until. You know. So a mix of uh, marketing, you know, Tom blames Snickers. Um, no. Maybe just a mix of, you know, uh, these are, adults who've grown up who just have taken that part of their childhood with them and just made yeah. it bigger and kept it and um is it the google uh, generation you know i mean um the the idea that that workplace doesn't have to be a cubicle workplace can be totally different hmm. be fun and enjoyable you know there's a whole mentality around that there's a whole marketing strata around that and the young adults are they buy into that for whatever reason. And I think yeah. it's cool. Let them do yeah, it. Yeah, I, I do appreciate it. I don't want to give the wrong impression. I think no, no, no. it's, it's yeah. fun, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know. We're talking yeah. about the costumes and the creativity of it. And mm -hmm. just, I mean, yeah, it, it's fun. I'm all about having fun. And, you know, there's, you know, the kids are still, you know, a part of it and it's still right. everything it, it, it needs to be. And I'm thinking maybe that's another part of it too, where young adults, I mean, young adults are having kids later in life. And so is that a part of it where, you know, the Halloween isn't for their kids because they don't have any. And so it is still something that is theirs that, you know, now they can just be a part of it in a different way, in a way that they can sort of control. And that's even kind of more designed for them. So anyway, whatever it is, we hope by the time you hear this, you had a great Halloween party festival, had fun, had candy, had a good costume, whatever. Uh, we're, we're going out today to go try to find the good candy. Like, we don't want to give out just the little bitty rinky dink stuff. We want to be like the house that gives out like 
big Snickers, you know, or big Kit Kat, you know, the real stuff. So anyway, you, your house is the, is the place that that's happening or you're looking for that place. I'm looking to be that place. Oh, you're looking to be that place. And your address is. Yeah. Tom's house. That's my address. (laughs) And speaking of spooky and magic, we made Brad disappear. Yeah. (laughs) I was just going to ask him, Tom, you're going to have to do it to kind of the segue into uh, what Halloween, the connection between Halloween and what that has to what happens today or what is the day after Halloween. You want to make that uh, connection a reminder for everyone? Well, you know, I don't know that I don't recall the direct connection other than uh, in a hollow uh, it means you kind of holy uh, uh, the sense of reverence and in in uh, is just shortened for a hollow hallowed evening mm-hmm. precedes uh, All Saints Day, which is no- November first. So, um, how, you know uh, how that morphed into what it is today? I I don't know. Maybe uh, Brad, now that you're back, do you do you know how? Halloween uh, and All Saints Day kind of grew up together. Well, I think there uh, there's there's certainly a lot of history in that in the in the old country. Um, uh, you know, in Europe, there's there's a there's a tradition, and I don't want to get into the details because I know I'm going to you know, just royally screw it up, and I don't want to do that. But um, but there was an awful lot about prayers to the saints. Uh, to pray them over into uh, out of purgatory and into heaven and and so on and so forth that the saints are the the, the the dead all those who are hallowed um but again all those details are just kind of like mm, out of my head right now but I, I think i think the idea was that on the evening you pray the saints into heaven uh the saints uh, the evening before is all hallows evening or all hallows eve and uh, you know i think the the marketing stuff of that was, you know, how do you pray the saints? Well, they're ghosts. Well, are they really ghosts? You know, who knows, but somehow it just morphed into this, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael, what's his face with a hockey mask, you know, uh, into this bizarre, you know, totally. And was it, you know, you know, who was the other person that wrote, uh, um, Oh gosh, it just uh, the legend of sleepy hollow, you know, mm-hmm. Oh, that yeah. that turned into this spooky thing, and then you get Tim Burton's, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas. This is Halloween. This is Halloween. Halloween. Right. Halloween. That's it, you know, <laughs> how does that? You know, where did that come from? It has absolutely nothing to do yeah. with sainthood and with remembering the saints uh, of the faith. And that's kind of just happens when you know something kind of takes on a new life, right? And you know, each culture kind of does its own thing with. With, with what it's with what it has before it so uh, of course all saints day is the day after halloween a time when the church remembers the saints uh who have passed on mm-hmm. um and i tell the church um over the years i have just come to this is the second like highest usually it's i do it on sunday mm-hmm. uh, normally it doesn't work out that it's on a sunday we just you know if it's on a Wednesday, All Saints Day, then we just wait till Sunday to observe it. Mm-hmm. But that Sunday is like the second highest Sunday for me. Yeah. Uh, behind it's Easter. It's really high church stuff. I mean, yeah. because you're, you're honoring the people who have a faith 
that led them to Christ and that has led others to Christ. And that's exactly the saint. Yeah. That. Yeah. And then also, you know, on resurrection Sunday, it's, you know, uh, Christ lived. He is Lord. He is risen. And exactly. then also exactly with what you said, mm-hmm. right. There's also sense like these people are risen too. Absolutely. Our faith tells us we are risen as well. And that's just, that's, I mean, that's pretty meaningful to me. And, and I, you know, and I'm, I'm like you, and, and usually we celebrate this in, in my church, the churches that I've served, we've always celebrated this on the first Sunday of, of November. So whether it's mm-hmm. November 1st or whatever, it's always the first Sunday. So, and we do communion on the first Sunday uh, every month. And so by November, when that rolls around, it's, we, we really highlight the concept of the, the, the communion of the saints. saints. Yes, we sir. gather around the same table that they are. Christ is present at both tables. There They're you seeing face to face and he's in our midst in, in the Holy Spirit. So we celebrate that, that they are, you know, feasting at his table this day and, and we honor them and, and bless their name. Amen. So let's then talk about today to help uh, people uh, in, our, in our churches, I think, because I don't know that we quite have sometimes have a full grasp on it. We use the word saint. And a lot of times, uh, in my experience anyway, my pastoral experience, we either have the word saint reserved for, Brad, you hit on it, like somebody who's already dead, like mm-hmm. they're with the Lord now, mm-hmm. or maybe particularly for someone who has a uh, Catholic background, uh, right. s- someone who has been sort of elected to, to be a saint right, right. in church history. So, Tom, when we are using the word saint, how are we using that word? Yeah, well, this is this is one of those areas where um, where you know when people talk about you know their relationship with Christ, they always, you know they, they often say I, I'm just, I'm a sinner saved by grace, and and so they you know this is this is my name, this is who I'm called, I'm called sinner, and. And I'm going, you know, when I hear that, I understand the humility behind it. Uh, uh, but that's that's not what, you know, when Paul writes his letters uh, to the churches, he never says to the sinners gathered in, in, right. in, right. in Corinth. He says to the saints. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and why are we called saints? And uh, you know, I, I I wish I'd already looked up the uh, etymology of the of the word because because when I hear saint, I go, well, where does that come from? And there's uh, there's kind of the sense of uh, uh, sanctity, sanctification. You know, and this this idea of something that is holy, and 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 how can you say that we who sin uh, uh, are also holy, and I go because our holiness is completely dependent upon the grace found in in Jesus Christ. It's that I'm clothed in Jesus, and if I'm clothed in Jesus, you can't call call uh, call what Jesus uh, uh, has done uh, basically sinful. You'll have to say it's saintly. He's he's transformed our lives from. From that which is is corrupted to that which is whole in Him. So I think Tom wants to take up an offering now. He just preached a sermon. Come on, Tom. 
Do an altar call, great. man. Let's do it. Okay. That's it. That's that's it, man. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say that's always been one of my pet peeves is when people emphasize this 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 sinfulness, or uh, which is a part of our the reality of our lives. Uh, you know, uh, but but uh, we as United Methodists talked about sanctification, this movie movement from where we were without God to where who we are in Christ with God. And, and there's this transformation that we're moving. I'm a, I'm a whole lot better person today uh, with Christ and through the grace of God's uh, actions than I, than I was even a month ago. And it's, it's because God's spirit is moving me toward that, which is clean and right and good. And I mean, you can go through all the list, the characteristics of his son, Jesus Christ. I'm just glad we're doing a podcast with you now and not like 20 years ago. That had been, that'd just been rough. It would have been embarrassing. You know, <laughs> actually, actually, actually before, if you had done it before I came to Christ, I mean, it would be a very short, uh, very short uh, um, message or time together in Zoom. Of course, that was before you were even born. <laughs> yeah, well, 20 years ago, we didn't have Zoom. So, you know, we that's right. Was, that's you know, right. I don't know. Okay. So, so Brad. So, Brad, were you using the word saint and Tom brought up the word sanctification? Yes, sir. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't want to assume that everyone understands or knows or has been taught the, that connection between those words, what that means. So will you fill us in, make sure we're on the same page? Yeah, I think, um, you know, Tom hit right on it. And there's a difference between Protestantism and Catholicism when it comes to sainthood. You know, the, the Catholics, uh, the Catholics, <laughs> the Catholics uh, venerate saints based upon their lives. And, and they have a criteria on how someone becomes a saint mm-hmm. uh, and the time frame that it happens. And um, saints have usually passed on. They've died uh, and have been dead at least five years, give or take. Uh, the Protestant faith say had to be voted on, right? They had to be voted on, right? You know, and and I don't know how they run for that office, but anyway, um, they no. You I think, should see the election campaign, uh, man. It's no, bumper stickers and and all kinds of kiss. Anyway, no, there's there. Protestants look at sainthood very differently, and I think I think Tom hit it nail on the head. This is what Paul would call the saints of the church, and the saints of the church are not those who have died; those who are still living. Those who are living out the faith, and that's that's that concept of that sanctifying grace that we live into, um, that as they live into the faith, as they become more Christ-like, they become the saints that we follow. And then we, following their example, also experience that sanctification. We experience that growth in Christ where we become, uh, as Wesley would call it, you know, um, uh, perfect in love. And that, that sanctification is, is perfection of love. And, and it's a really holy process, takes a lifetime to do. But the idea is that sainthood is not something that's reserved for those who have died in the Protestant tradition. Sainthood is those who are faithful. Uh, and for years, I always started every worship service with good morning saints, you know, and and I had somebody say, good morning, sinners. And I said, no, 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 we don't talk about that here because Christ, that, that cross is empty, you know? So, um, and, and so that's, that's not who we are. You know, that's who we were, but it's not who we are. And Brad, so, I, I appreciate all that, but let me ask you a question. Sure. I mean, you said like, you know, the saints, that's like people who are living out the faith. That's like, correct. Mm-hmm. What if I'm not doing a very good job of living out the faith? I mean, doesn't that make me more a sinner than a saint? I think, uh, um, 
well, this is where you get into the understanding of justification. If you're not living out the faith, the question I want to know is why. And how are you, what are you doing to inhibit that? So to live out the faith means that I'm closer to Christ today than I was yesterday. I'm closer to what Christ wants for me today than I am yesterday. And my prayer is that tomorrow I will be striving to be even more so and allowing Christ to take more of ownership of my life than, than today or yesterday. So to, to claim the sinner status is to really demean what Christ is doing mm. in the sanctification process. And I don't think that's a fair assessment of who Christ is and what Christ wants for our lives. Does that Wait. Well, and, and kind of building on that, it's it's about my relationship uh, with God through Jesus Christ, right. and and like you said, uh, you know, to to uh, demean uh, to 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 emphasize what when I say sinner, I'm emphasizing who I am and right. what I've done. Mm-hmm. When I say so I'm saved, I'm I'm emphasizing who God is and what He's done through right. Christ. And, right. and I, that's the side I want to emphasize. And, and the reason yeah. that I know that I'm being changed from the inside out and and, um, and it, at some point it should show up in my relationship with other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, something happened recently um, where uh, well, basically something happened. My brother was there. And, uh, and I didn't get overly upset. We were in Houston. And uh, in fact, I, d- I really didn't on the outside get upset. And I didn't react in the way I typically would have, uh, say, a month ago. And later when he was with his wife and she heard what happened, she said, well, was Tom upset? And he thought about it for a moment and said, no, not really. And I asked him that, you know, did I appear upset when that happened? And he's, he said, and he told me what he had told his wife. But anyway, there's there's this sense of the more time I spend with someone, you know, the more time I've spent with my wife, Ellen, the more I uh, begin to learn, uh, I learn who she is, what she enjoys. I begin to enjoy what she enjoys. I, 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 uh, I think uh, about um, how does this affect Ellen? And so it's the same thing in my relationship with God is, is this awareness of I'm becoming more aware of who he is, how, you know, his thoughts are not my thoughts. His ways are not my ways. Well, if they're not, what are his thoughts and what are his ways? And I want to learn those things. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that process of moving, as we say, toward holiness, to toward living into our namesake, which is saint. Right. So sanctification, I've heard you use that word, and holiness. Mm-hmm. Same thing? Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Personal holiness is what, what Wesley would have called that. That yeah. the, the concept of Christ transforming us from the inside out, from okay. the soul up outward. Right. Yeah. So and so becoming more like Christ, coming exactly. more perfected in the love of God. I heard one of you say, and then I also heard one of you say that word that I think people will get scared of. Uh perfect. Is that the word you said? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um nobody's perfect. Oh, well, I know one. And I'm not that one, Brad. I know. So why do we keep talking about being perfect? Some of us aren't even close, but that's okay. (laughs) Some of us are almost. Uh, Almost perfect. Right. Why do, why do we keep talking about perfection? Why do we say like, we're almost perfect if there's only one person who was perfect? 
Well, now, and then maybe we yeah. can get to it. Why in the world do people like us, who the church ordains, answer the question the bishop asked, do you expect to be made perfect in this lifetime? Right. Why do we say yes right. to that question? Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I think you're right on target. I think this is the exact, the, the exact crux of the matter when we talk about what, what the Christian faith is, is designed to do, what it's meant for us to be and do. Um, we have this twisted understanding of what perfection is that perfection is something you find in in a magazine or on on uh, 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 a podcast housewives or something like that you know and and so yeah or on a podcast you know we, we we expect everybody else's podcast to be absolutely perfect but ours is well we're almost there we're working on it we we recognize that we're not there yet but we're working on it right we're getting closer no i i think that there's a there's a sense in which we we God designed us, and in our DNA, he, he encoded into us um, a God-given potential. That's the only way I know how to describe it. And that what God wants for us is to live into that potential. And God has given us the roadmap to do that through a man who lived in, in Galilee and, and in Nazareth and Bethlehem and, and Jerusalem, died on a cross. And so when we begin to recognize that roadmap and start to follow that roadmap, what we begin to see is less of ourselves and more of Christ. And, and I think until we recognize that that's how perfection begins is that perfect love. That's the key that this is what Wesley really highlighted that most people forget. He wasn't talking about perfection as if to say absolutely, totally without blemish. He was talking about a love that is so perfect that it resembles God in Christ on a cross. Does that make sense? Yes, it, so, to me so it we, does. We, we don't want to confuse that with, you know, absolutely spot on perfection as if it is unattainable. In Christ, according to John Wesley, love is, uh, perfect love is attainable in this life. And that's the question that we answer when the bishop asks us that. That was actually Wesley's question of all the pastors that he was ready to ordain. Do you expect to be made perfect in love? in this life. And you have to include the words in love in this life. And I think that's true of all of us. We can expect that when we surrender ourselves, or as, as Jesus would have said, the gospels, deny yourselves, take up your cross and follow me. That when we, when we empty ourselves of ourselves and take on the spirit of God in Jesus Christ and become more Christ-like day in and day out, we do begin to see that perfection in love starting to take shape and take form. So Tom, do we have sort of moments of perfection or is this sort of a constant or ever growing constant, like sort of state of being? Or is that both? <laughs> you know, well, obviously it's both that there's, there's, there are these moments and, and uh, you know, there's these moments where, you just, at least I've experienced this where, you know, you did, you did well. And, and it's, it's not a, it's not a, a moment where you, you puff up your chest and go, I did well. It's a, it's just a, yes, I'm humble. All right. <laughs> no, no, but you know, Finally, you, know. But you know, you don't need 
any outside uh, acknowledgement that you did a great job. You just know there's something inside that you know you did well. And, and those moments don't happen all the time, but they do happen. And, and I don't know how, how is that you're arguing loud? with you, dude? I don't know. Yeah, what I was gonna say, I've got you don't know what you're talking about, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> There's a line of birds on the fence post right now. Just, um, but anyway, is there is there's this 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 sense of also who you uh, call a bird? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Since there may be children involved uh, listening to this, it, eh, there's an almost uh, perfect chance that that's not true. But um, anyway, uh, is is there's this this sense uh, again that that I don't know if you would call it you know that you're just you're you're always perfect, uh, but there is the sense that there's those perfectly good moments, and you just it just enjoy them, enjoy them. Uh, but there's also the sense, like I, like I said earlier, and we've, in fact, we've repeated this message is, you know, we each one know we are, uh, are better people today than we were in the past. And, and it's all because of who we know and what he's done in our lives. And so we're still moving toward that. And one of the things as you know, in this whole idea of perfect, uh, this once we bring that word in is is it makes me think of you know I just hear it in my head oh she thinks she's so perfect and and there's a negative connotation and it's like if you're if you're perfect you're also pretty arrogant mm. and you don't want to be around arrogant and and yet Jesus is the human being slash divine human being. Uh, who it was and is perfect, and people loved being around him. I mean, he gathered crowds because uh, because he was such a a perfect example of what it is to be a human uh, under the direction of God the Father, and uh, and and it talks about uh, who it, being in the likeness of God humbled himself, and so there's this humility that that is, is associated with true perfection in Christ. Uh, and, and the people who, who more exemplify the love of God in Christ are the people that, that I, I want to be around. There's just something very special about the person who is a prayerful, humble uh, uh, follower of Jesus Christ that is so attractive. And I want to be that kind of person. And so that's actually a great segue, just sort of wrap things up then. So if, if I'm listening to this, all right, perfection, holiness, sanctification, all right, it's this ever-growing understanding and, and involvement with and becoming more uh, like the love of God in my own heart and life. So, I mean... <laughs> What does that mean for the next time I go to church or the next time I go to work or the next time I'm at the grocery store? Like, like how does that, what is the practical implication of what all of that means for my life, for who I am? I think you're, you know, Tom, you and, and y'all both have been really, we have been so close to the, the, the crux of this and I'm not sure I can get closer, but 
I think there's an emphasis on a word that we don't quite use here correctly or we're not using enough, that perfect love is not about something that we attain. Okay? We don't work for it. It's mm -hmm. not something that we can achieve on our own. And Tom, you, you hit it real close. I mean, you said the, the, the very thing. It's about who we know. That we are, we are not perfected in love on our own doing or on our own will when we surrender ourselves and we become more humble than everybody else and all that stuff. That's still a works righteousness concept. The phrase that I think is most often used and, and not one that is used enough, in all honesty, even though it's the one that everybody uses, is to be made perfect in love, which means somebody else is doing the work. Right on. And, you know, and Wesley, really, if y'all want to read this, the, the, the link, and we should put it in the, in the video uh, comments or something like that, A Plain Account of Christian Perfection. It's John Wesley's keynote article, uh, a story about how he came to understand what perfect love means and what Christian perfection means and how it really comes about is not because of who we are. It's not because we're particularly bright or, you know, uh, intelligent or whatever. We're not because we're noble, because we're of the right birth. We're of the right gene. You know, it has absolutely nothing to do with that. Church attendance. <laughs> That's exactly right. You don't get enough stars in your church attendance. I'm sorry. You'll never be made perfect. You know, it's that it's the notion of who makes us perfect in love. And I think that's the big thing. And it is about humility, you know, and, um, you know, I love the old statement. It says, you know, humility is everything. When you can fake that, you've got it made, you know, um, and, and that's not that's not what we're talking about here. You know, mm -hmm. we really are talking about a total surrender to Christ. And and that's what that perfection looks like is, you know, we 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 have so misused and misunderstood and misdefined the word perfection so that we miss it all the way around when we're talking about the Christian faith and the walk of Christ and what sainthood looks like, you know, to be a saint in Christ's church, you know, Tom, you defined it perfectly. Are those people that when you walk in the room and you know that they're there, you know, you, you want to take shoes off because you're on holy ground, you know, and, and, and it's not that they themselves are the epitome of holiness. They are living into Christ in such a way, you know, Christ is in the room. And, and I think that's what we, we really should be emphasizing when we talk about this in this concept. Um, we can talk about our sin and our sinfulness, but I think to do so balances the scale in the wrong direction that what Christ has done is more powerful. You know, grace is greater than all our sin. And, and so when we, when we emphasize our sin and our sinfulness, we're de-emphasizing grace and mercy and the love of God in Christ. And I think what we really ought to be doing is saying, man, I have no way of getting there except for Christ. He is the one who is, is making me perfect in love, not me. And, and when I accept that, then I start to, to change and my life is transformed. And so it's kind of like, you know, the more talk you go, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. You're just, you're talking more about yourself. Still you. It's still it's about still you. Still you. Yeah. yeah. Right? And so that's why, like, kind of one of my pet peeves and, you know, this deal about perfection. Oh, nobody's perfect. There's nothing you can do. If we don't believe there's the chance for these moments. Right. Or these, or these, uh, or these uh, I don't know times of perfection in our heart, then what we're saying is God I couldn't do that. Right. God, God can't do that for me. And it, and it and means that that doesn't have any value anymore. 
Yes, you know? it's limited, right? Maybe right. it got me to heaven, but that's about all it could do. Well, I got so and so to heaven, but not me. I yeah. could never get there. You know, yeah. that's just it's. I'm too bad. No, that that really cuts the value of you. Me. Ain't nothing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's exactly right. I ain't How's nothing. that for humility, Tom? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> all right, that's Tom. Pretty, pretty humble. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you the final word, Tom. Yep. Well, <laughs> I w- I will uh, just go to the the scripture that that came to mind it's i believe it's in ephesians 2 uh and and for by grace you have been saved through christ and yet that not that not of yourselves it is the gift of god but also in that section it says for you have been created in christ for good works right and uh and and uh the imagery there is there's a there's a master craftsman who is at work and he has taken this lump of clay and and he and that that master craftsman has shaped uh shaped is shaping me for his purposes which is good works and i am just humbled that god who is who am i that god should take notice of me amen to that there you go all right, so I hope that's a helpful conversation. Like, like this perfection stuff, it's it's possible, it's real because it's God's work, right? right? God did something on the cross, but God is still doing something, right, through the work of the Holy Spirit in our heart. That's what we believe. That's what we hold on to. That's it. That's that's all a part of our worship and our praying and our serving and our giving and our uh, showing up with to with people in their lives and and, and devotionals and having uh, time and community. All these things. It's all part of the work of God, drawing us ever closer to that perfect uh, sense of of the love of God. So that is something that all of us can have because it is a gift of God. So I hope that's been a helpful conversation. Brad, thanks for the idea. That was great. Uh, maybe we'll have Brad pick what we talk about next too. I don't know. And then <laughs> we'll make sure Tom brings the birds back. Yeah. They, they will give them time to talk too. I think they had something good to say, but uh, anyway. Mm-hmm. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening or watching. We appreciate the gift of your time. It's always great to have these kind of conversations and we hope to see you next week. Have a great rest of the week and God be with you. Peace y'all. Amen.